Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. Uh, 75 years. That's a long time. Uh, 75 years ago in 1946, my dad was just returning back from the Navy in the South Pacific in World War II. My mom was just returning back from her job down the hill in uh, the Boeing plant, bucking rivets on B-17 bombers. But uphill uh, here at Highlands, something else was going on. There was a young pastor, his name was Wally Wilson, and he started a church then called Highlands Community Church. We met down just in the school administration building, just a few blocks from here. And then in 1958, uh, just 12, 13 years later, we uh, met for the first time and at our first worship service in the new building, which was, which was now, I think we call it Room 300, it's the fellowship hall. And uh, there, uh, Pastor Wilson preached his first sermon. You know what it was on? It was on prayer. Yeah, the high priestly prayer of Jesus where Jesus prays, I pray that you would not take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one's prayer protection. I pray, he said, that even as you have sent me into the world, so I am sending them into the world. It's a prayer of mission. And then he also prayed five times that they may be one, that they may be one, five times in John 17. But that wasn't all. At the end of the service, a man came forward. He was a carpenter who pounded a lot of nails in that building in room 300. His name was Bob Stevens. He came forward, and Pastor Wilson led him in the sinner's prayer. He prayed to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. And those items today, a prayer of protection, of a mission and boldness, a prayer of unity and salvation are even more relevant today than ever before. Right? Yeah. Well, today we're going to be talking about prayer because it's one of the core values here. It's, the, it's, it's one of the things that our church was founded upon. Now, prayer isn't an incantation, right? You agree with me on that? It's not a mantra. It's not reciting all the Christian lingo. No. It's a conversation with God. And just like in any conversation, we have somebody who listens and somebody who speaks and vice versa. It's a dialogue. Isn't it great to know that when you pray, God listens to you? Actually, I love Psalm 116. It says this, I love the Lord because he has heard my plea for mercy, because he has turned his ear. Actually, the word is inclined his ear to me. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. Yeah. But remember, it's a two-way conversation. I mean, God listens to us. We also listen to him. Isaiah 55, 2 and 3 says this. Why do you spend your silver on what is not food, and your wages on what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and you will enjoy the choices of food. Pay attention and listen. Come to me, 
so that you will live. You know, listening to God is sometimes misunderstood. It's not like emptying our minds like some Eastern religions, you know. Conversely, it's, it means instead of emptying our minds, it means that we fill our minds with God's word and allow him through his Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Prayer also involves honesty, just like in any other relationship, right? When we, are de- when we have not dealt with the main issue, perhaps sin in our life, and then we're, we're asking for something else, what do you think that says to God? He wants us to deal with this first, and then we can talk about other things, right? James 4.3 says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. In Proverbs, it says this. It says, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Let me illustrate. My son, Stephen, was uh, 14 years old, and he went over to his grandfather's house uh, to help him with yard work, and as they were putting the tools away in the garage, his grandfather fell face down, unconscious, on the garage floor, and he wasn't breathing. So I get a call from Stephen. You know what he said? Well, Let's put a, put a pause on this story for a little bit. Let's suppose. Let's suppose he said, Dad, we're done with the uh, yard work, and, you know, I'd really love to get pizza on the way. Can we get pizza on the way home, Dad? Oh, and by the way, Grandpa is face down on the floor. He's unconscious, not breathing. And you know what I would say? I'd go, he is what? He is face down on the floor. Call 911. Stephen might say, can we have sausage and pepperoni? I tell you what, let's have both. Sausage, and, and I would say, call 911. And he would then say, uh, can we tease it up, Dad? Now you get the picture. Yeah. In the same way, God will not ignore your sin. He will wait for these other issues until we stop the bleeding and start breathing again. Well, oh yeah, uh, the end of the story with Stephen, he did call me. He called, and then I said, call 911. And right away, he called 911, thank God. And they let him how to do uh, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on his grandfather, and Stephen saved his life. He resuscitated him, well, uh, and the medics got there and then took him to the hospital, uh, and he was still in a coma, unconscious. And three days later, just as we were beginning to have these hard conversations, you know, with the medical staff, three days later, on Easter Sunday, he woke up. (laughs) You see, that's what it means to deal with first things first. How do we develop a healthy prayer life? The first thing is this. Develop a personal prayer life. Make it a a pattern in your life. 
You were created to know and fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And sadly, when you know only facts and information about the Lord, you fail to grasp how you can experience his love and fullness and purpose for your life. It's a huge difference between knowing about the Lord and knowing him personally. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that you might know him and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. When we do, he'll fill that empty void in your life in a way that no amount of information and facts could ever fill. I love Psalm 63, verses one and two. It says this, he says, Oh God, thou art my God. Early, no, notice the, the priority here. Early will I seek you. My flesh faints for you. My soul cries out for you like in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you get the sense of what he's talking about? He's talking about a man that's hungry for God. It begs that question. Are you hungry for God? If you, if you uh, come away with any, and you don't have that hunger for God, none of what I say is going to make any difference. It starts with this personal hunger for God, and maybe that's your prayer as you leave. God, make me hungry for you. Motivate me in my personal prayer life. Mark 135 said this about uh, Jesus. He says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and went out and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Notice, it was still dark. I mean, back then, and in that culture, people would rise at daybreak. And in order to get away from the crowds, and the disciples even, Jesus had to get up well before that. In fact, in um, Luke chapter 4, it says that he prayed all night. There was uh, no desert near Capernaum where this was. So really, the, the word here is used, uh, it means desert or wilderness when Jesus was in the wilderness, he prayed and did battle with, with Satan. And it was on his knees, Jesus made it a pattern of, to go before the Lord. And uh, angels actually ministered to him during these times. Here Jesus is giving a life example of his own teaching. He said this in Matthew 6, 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your private room and shut your door. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, to Jesus, the desert, the wilderness, these solitary places, that was his closet, his private room. And notice Jesus made time to pray. Are you too busy to pray? Here, the busiest person on earth, the God of all, God of very God, the one who is all-powerful, got up and was compelled to pray. What does that tell us? <laughs> Martin Luther 
Martin Luther said this. He said, I am so busy now. If I did not spend three hours a day in prayer, I could not get through the day. <laughs> wow. But why? See, the battles in your life, the battles in your life and for those around you are best fought on your knees before you ever venture outside. Peter, before he even denied Christ, Jesus was praying for him. He said, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In 2 Chronicles 20, we learn about the story of King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah at the time. He saw this great army coming against him, and he was afraid. He set his face, it says, to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And before the people, he poured out his heart in prayer. He said, for we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you, but our eyes are upon you. And the Lord answered, saying, this is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Then Jehoshaphat, and get this, it was in front of all the people. He prayed, he bowed down for his face to the ground, and all Judah, of course, saw that all inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. That was before the battle even started. The next morning, they got up, they went into battle, praising and worshiping God. And you know what happened? God had already defeated their enemy before they even got there. Would you join me in prayer? That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a man after your own heart. I want the perspective of putting you first in my life, in my day. I want to give you the best. Forgive me, Lord, for thinking I can do this life on my own, on my own strength, my own will, my own pride. And I agree with you now, Lord. The battle station is on my knees. And like Israel said, my eyes are upon you. I will not be afraid because yours is the battle. Yours is the battle. Yours is the battle. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well then, pray as a family. Yeah, make it a pattern of life for your family as well. Why? Because God listens to your family. He listens to your children. Let your children pray. Every night, Ginny and I,
pray with Leanna, our very special daughter. And she always minds us to pray for Chad, who's our neighbor, and his chickens, and his children, and Joanna, and Bo, their dog. We pray for the bunnies, rabbits, and squirrels. We pray for the rabbits, Twinkie, uh, Bugs, and Tarzan. We pray for Mr. and Mrs. Owl and the frogs outside in our pond, Kermit, Hopper, and Ralph. We pray for the cows next door and the baby cow. And then there's our pets, D.O.G., Joyce, Betty, Sally, and Tiki, and our son's pets, Bronson, Shiloh. And I asked, you know, I asked one of our neighbors, I said, so um, could you answer, this might sound stupid, but could you just answer a question for me? How are your chickens doing anyway? <laughs> I, I don't know what a blessed chicken looks like, you know. Why am I sharing this? Why am I sharing this? You might say to yourself, that is so trivial, Barry. That is just stupid. Oh, really? God sees. God sees the prayers of Leanna. And you know what he says? He says, let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And what we might dismiss as trivial is celebrated in the courts of heaven. And somehow, his hand of blessing is on our neighbors and every living thing around us. And then, every night, I hear the prayers of Jenny, my wife, a mother for her sons. And I say, amen, Lord, may it be. And while they're no longer living at home, they're just a breath away from God's renewing presence. God's arm is never too short that it cannot save and renew and bring life and forgiveness and wholeness and peace to their lives. Do you remember the story of, of Paul and Silas in, in Philippi in the book of Acts? I mean, they were thrown in prison. Now, they were thrown in the inner prison. <laughs> and their feet were put in stocks besides. I mean, they were not going anywhere. So what did they do? Scripture says that they prayed. And they sang hymns. And shortly after that, what happened? They were suddenly freed, miraculously freed, and the jailer pleads with them. He says, what must I do to be saved? And him and his whole family were saved that very night and baptized. Can God do that today? Oh, yeah. God can, in fact, um, I've seen it. God can save whole families, kids, grandparents, uncles, aunts, moms, and dads, all at once. That's, but that's a story for another time. So don't give up praying. It might take days. It might take weeks for your loved ones. It might take years. It might take decades. But don't give up praying. I've received uh, permission to share these stories 
from two of our church members. Jody Menenberg writes, I prayed for my dad for over 35 years before he accepted Christ. He was a scientist and could not believe in God. He accepted my invitation to come to Highlands and there found friends who truly cared for him. He finally came to Christ at the age of 89. The last time I met with him, even though he was so sick he could hardly form words, kept saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. So keep praying. Jesus says, ask, keep asking, and it will be given you. Seek and keep seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to him who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Paula Goff writes this about her dad, Hayes. When our parents, Hayes and Velma, were married in 1975 years ago again, 1946, neither one was a Christian. But after we three children were born, a neighbor invited us young girls to attend a new church in the area, Highlands Community Church. On the one Sunday, Mom went to deciding she should check it out. So she immediately was struck with the children reciting John 3.16, a verse she had never heard before, which says this, For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. When Pastor Wally Wilson explained the verse, and asked if anyone wanted to receive Jesus in their heart. God drew mom's heart, and her hand went up. Age of 33, she began her life's walk with Jesus. Well, prayer became an important part of her relationship. As, as a public school teacher and a Sunday school teacher, as one who served in so many areas in the church and the community, she found opportunities for prayer abounding in all areas of life, but at the top of that list were prayers for her family. And at the top of that list was my dad. <laughs> she had countless others praying. And for him to come to know the Lord as his personal savior, but he was not so interested. They faced good times and very hard times. And through it all, Mom faithfully continued to show humble, Christ-like love to my dad and continued in her fervent prayers for his salvation. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. 50 years, and still, my dad was willing only to do life his way. It was 55 years after mom accepted Christ and began praying for him that dad, now 92 years old, blind and in failing health, asked Jesus into his heart, and before us, his family, he humbly acknowledged his need for God's forgiveness. 
And indeed, a prayerfully softened heart, he asked Jesus to be his Savior. Hallelujah. The few weeks before God called him home, his change of heart was evident. He welcomed prayers and hymns and looked forward to heaven. And the decades of prayer not only changed the one prayed for, but the prayers as well. God uses the persevering, faithful prayers of his children to win the battle for the souls of others. And then she writes, 55 years of prayer? No comparison to eternity when we will enter heaven and see my dad. 55 years of prayer worth every minute. So keep praying. Today you might feel like your hands are in stocks, your feet, that you're completely powerless to do anything, to have any influence in the lives of your loved ones. But know this, you know the all-powerful God who is just a breath away from your loved one. So pray and keep praying because behind every work of God, you will always see some kneeling form. Let's pray. Lord, make our families rich in prayer. Help our children to grow up accustomed to knowing and hearing your voice and heeding your call. Create in us this unshakable persistence for them. Holy Spirit, descend on our families. Set us apart for your purpose in our neighborhoods. And may our walls resonate with sounds of your unfailing word, renew us, Lord, re-energize us and fill us. And sure, as parents, we fail. From time to time, we blow it. But Lord, you never fail. Reveal to them your unfailing love and forgiveness because you're good. You're ready to forgive. And you are plenteous in mercy to all who call upon you, including our sons, daughters, moms, and dads, and loved ones. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, next, pray together as a church. We've always believed that prayer is our foundation here, and many of you have been prayer warriors over the decades for our leadership. Thank you so much. Community groups are, are like prayer outposts in our community. There's answers abounding all over the place because of their impact. And now we have prayer teams formed just to pray for you every week, faithfully do so. Each one here can pray, right? Or join a community group, join a prayer team, find a way to get involved with our church in prayer. Just fill out the connect card. Turn it in. We'll get in touch with you. Today, Jesus is praying for us. For remember he said in John 17, I pray not only for them, but those who will believe on me through their word. He's praying for us. 
And he is also advocating for us in heaven. 1 John 2 says this, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have our own personal defense attorney in heaven. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is our atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So who's your defense today when you sin? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The judge is now your defending attorney. What could be better? And in his wrists and on his feet are the nail the nail marks still visible for all eternity to see. And so when your accuser comes before you, comes before in heaven and he says, he's not worthy. He just messed up again. He'll never amount to anything. He'll never measure up. He'll never be good enough. You know what our defense attorney does? He shows them the nail prints. In his hands and feet. Case dismissed. Sound familiar? See, the enemy, if he can't paralyze us with guilt, he'll take out our leaders. Look back even to the beginning of the church where we see the main church leaders taken out of commission. There was uncertainty, Peter and John, and confusion. Sound familiar? They were arrested, put in custody. Hardly a strategic position to change the world. And after being threatened not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, upon returning, they were released. And upon returning to their friends in the church, they lifted up their voices in prayer. And for, do you want to know what they prayed for? Isn't that amazing? They just got released from, pri from prison, basically. And they lifted up their voices in prayer and prayed for courage to speak the word of God with even more boldness. <laughs> did God answer their prayer? Oh, yes, he did. And when they had prayed in Acts 4.31, it says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God boldly. The result is the place was shaken. Whenever we see that in the Old New Testaments, it means that the presence of God was there. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness, that's mission. They were of one heart and one soul. That's unity, that they may be one. God was fulfilling the very prayers in John 17, his high priestly prayer in the book of Acts with those early believers. Let's pray. That's, that's, Lord, what we need. We need our, our church to be shaken. We need you, God, 
to shake Highlands Community Church with your presence, to fill this place, starting with every heart here and online. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Take us and use us and melt us and mold us to be like Jesus. We want to be of one heart. We want to be of one soul and one mind. Give us this fresh anointing of your great grace. For it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray, amen. Lastly, pray for all people. 1 Timothy 2.1 says this, First of all, I urge you that petitions and prayers and, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for who? Everyone. Well, who does that include? It means everyone. Leaders. It means us. It means our neighbors and friends and coworkers, right? But you know what I just left out? There's a group of people who we, frankly, I got to confess, rarely pray for. And we need to pray for. They're our enemies. The ones who mock us and spitefully use us. The ones who believe differently. The ones who persecute us. Listen to the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, you shall love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and in the good and sends his reign on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the anarchist window smashers do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than out of the, it's out of the ordinary? Don't even Islamic extremists do the same? Let's join in prayer. Lord, we pray for, sure, our neighbors and friends and coworkers. Lord, we would like to add this group of people to our prayer as well. Agitators, criminals, we have to pray for China, the LGBT community, racists, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, atheists, we pray for sex traffickers, drug pushers, robbers, the car that cuts us off and the person that flips us off. And the list can go on and on and on. Lord, help us to remember to pray for them. For you died for the sins, it says, of the whole world. And Lord, we'd like to end our time today praying the prayer that you taught us to pray. Highlands Community Church, would you join me in praying this prayer aloud? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you please stand?